Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new interview with uh, Mr. Dominic Lewis. Our, our, our good friend Dom is back and uh, we present to you two atheists talking about Christmas movies. So, <laughs> oh, Dom! Sure everyone is so bored of me by now. No, like, are you oh, this, this guy again, what's he, what, what average score has he done now? <laughs> No, you're like, you know how like late night talk shows have like kind of like a, a, a regular guest that, you know, their favorite. I think your film music media is like resident favorite guest. So. Oh, I like that spin on it. That's very cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you, you just you just came off uh, an awesome summer with Bullet Train. And now yeah. you're going to take us to the end of the year with two, two Christmas themed films. I mean, you're busy yeah. bee. So uh, you recently scored Spirited uh, for Apple TV Plus and uh, now uh, also A Violent Night starring David Harbour as Santa Claus going on a uh, revenge spree, uh, killing all the bad guys. So you have, you're on both sides of the spectrum here. You have a nice wholesome kind of fun comedy take on a classic tale and then you have balls to the wall crazy <laughs> Yeah, John McClane type uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I've been in Christmas all year, so yeah, so it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped for you. You've been in the and you're in the festive spirit. You got the nice. Uh, you look like uh, the Christmas version of the Big Lebowski. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I love. Yeah, the the, Chris, the Christmas dude. Yeah, I feel like I have to force myself at this point to get into Christmas because it's I'm I'm so over it. Boy. <laughs> Before you're uh, over it, I want to talk to you about these scores because they're really great and they're amazing. So I would you. love to to uh, let's let's get into it. So uh, it. and if you're new, if you're this is your first Dom Lewis video on Film Music Media, definitely go back and watch all other 300 of them because uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can catch up. This is uh, we're not going to go back into Dom's past or you know Dom's uh, path to his career and all that stuff. We covered that so many many times so we're just going to jump right into let's jump right into spirited first so yeah uh let's talk about this you're doing a kind of a modern take on a christmas uh christmas carol a good old yeah. classic charles dickens story uh with will ferrell and uh and uh I ryan reynolds ryan reynolds i was about to say ryan gosling i am now mixed with all my ryans <laughs> uh, ryan gosling's the next one the next uh, one ryan reynolds and will ferrell and i'll will say ferrell. um yeah, and it's and, a, and it's a musical as well. So the score is awesome because it, it just feels like a kind of that classic Christmas feel, the uh, the Christmas sound. And so, um, talk to me about working on this film. Not only is it a musical with amazing songs from uh, Venge Pask and Justin Paul, who are of course famous for La La Land among so many other different things. And uh, so, for a score for a Christmas musical, talk to me about I guess the first conversations about what the score needed to do. In comparison to what the songs were doing, and, and you know the whole thing about telling the whole story. So, what 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 was the first talks about music for for Spirited? Uh, well, originally I thought, oh, this is great. The pressure's off. It's a musical. I don't, <laughs> you know, no, no one's looking at me, um, and I, that's sort of true to a, a, a certain extent. But um, no, I mean, I was it, it, the score became a, a real major um, story enhancer. Um, Sean and as a director was adamant that you know the hook or the theme needed to be really strong a, a real earworm so 
that that was like out the gates it was like i need we need you know every whenever you do a christmas movie or whenever you're pitching for a christmas movie i found that the the, the line is we really want like a modern home alone um you want you know we want it to be the new christmas classic which is yeah. you know which is great but i mean the, the pressure's on as soon as you start like mentioning john williams it's like oh well okay no pressure um <laughs> but yeah so sean was really adamant that the, the theme had to be strong he had to he had to be able to remember it so we went through a couple of versions of things that you know i was like oh this is the one and he's like no nah, i'm not really not really feeling this i'm not really it's like it's it's beautiful it's lovely but um i'm just it's, i'm not remembering it and i really you know it needs to be just simple and a strong hook so i just kind of went super simple and like almost you know public domain christmas carolly with it yeah um, and just simplified everything down and it's it's basically just very simple intervals that are very catchy and very christmassy um because when you do christmas stuff you're sort of in a box uh there's a certain harmony that invokes christmas there's a certain orchestration that invokes christmas you know, yeah it's very the bells the, the, bells, choirs, the, the... like if you don't do that and especially with this kind of movie if you don't do that then you're sort of well not only are you missing out on 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 the wonder but it's it doesn't really work right so the melody was the first thing and then also it was it was very important to Sean and Justin and Benj that the themes that from the songs were worked into the score. So I had to come up with harmony and intervals for my score that would work in conjunction with their songs. So oh, wow. again, I was sort of put in a box a little bit, but um, I just sort of wanted to go, I mean, with both the films, I wanted to just go, really nuts with orchestration and just yeah. flex that muscle because you never really get to do it with live action um uh and especially you know i'm switching to the other movie but with violent night you ne i never get to do like serious orchestral just orchestral music so and it's a big operatic orchestral score i mean yeah yeah and coming off the back of like candy canes and like proper christmas and sweetness and like it's a you know it was really good to do that on the flip side. So yeah. I think that's, they're not the same. It would, it would have been very easy to just do two orchestral scores that sound very similar. They've got strong melodies and then call it a day. But um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was tricky. I mean, I did spirited first. So that was like, you know, it was very floral orchestration. Um, I was sort of given the keys to the castle, as it were. I could record anything I wanted. We went to London, you know, a big expensive hurrah in yeah. creating the score. So it's got that very kind of like Hollywood Christmas cinematic thing going on. And then on the flip side, you know, the purse strings with Violent Night were a little tighter. So I had to kind of um, rein that in a bit and figure out what could I record? What's going to be samples? What's going to be orchestra? Um, and we did get to do full orchestral stuff. We, we recorded most of the score. Um, and some of it was samples. It'd be interesting to see if people can tell what's what. Hopefully not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I know, you, you know, we were supposed to be talking about Spirited and my my process to that. But it's just, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's been this whole year of Christmas. It's sort of just all blended into one thing. And, you know, Spirited sort of... Um, it made my choices easier on Violent Night and knowing that Violent Night was coming, it, it sort of made, 
it, I'm not explaining it very well, but it was it's very clear to me what both scores needed to be. Right. Um, and going back to the whole musical thing, I think you know it. The pressure is off a little bit. You know, it was yeah. it was important for Sean for for me to push the story forward and to really connect with the emotional arc of the movie, which is very touching and very sweet. Um, but then again, you know, I was just it was I sort of had free reign because everyone's focused on the songs. Right. I mean, as, a, as a composer, do you feel you said less pressure in the press, but do you feel like as a composer on a musical, do you like, you know, oh, I'm going to be overshadowed by these songs. So you. Oh, yeah. And that's fine. That's the way it should be. That's absolutely yeah. fine. If I'm doing my job properly, people should be walking out the cinema humming the songs, not my score. Right. Um, they should have felt the impact of the score. And, you know, if people walk out the cinema humming doo -doo 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 -doo, then great that, yeah, that's that's a bonus yeah but, um, you know my my role on that one was really to support everything that had already been done and just mm. to bring everything together whether it be all the songs together the storylines the emotion of the story i was the glue i was the musical glue between everything between the kind of the main events um and that was kind of nice because I'd never really done that before. Yeah, um, yeah. And at the same time, I kind of wanted to push myself to to really make the most of the time I had because it's a lot shorter time to to write stuff. You know, cues were a lot shorter. Yeah. Obviously, big musical numbers taking up the, the, the main real estate. So when I was in, I was in. I had to really make an impact. So yeah, it's a completely different discipline, which I really enjoyed. And uh, for the, the the score itself, what I mean, you mentioned kind of the things that made like what what makes a Christmas score a Christmas score. But also, I think what I love about the score is that it's still warm and ha it gives you that warm, fuzzy kind of Christmas feeling that you're looking for. But yeah. you don't go over the top where it becomes kind of schmaltzy and saccharine and stuff. How was was it like? Is it like a tricky to? Tricky to find I mean, that balance. I maybe did a little bit, but in a good fine. way. You're no, in a good fine. way though. There's like something about Christmas movies where you're allowed to just go a little bit over the top and yeah, let it, you know, like fill it, fill the mug and it spills over a little bit, you know, just yeah, like yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. So towards the towards the end, I think I, I kept the the handcuffs on for most of the film, and then towards the end, you know, you wanted to really get him in the heart. Um, yeah, and yeah, so I mean. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I thought I went like very over the top on purpose to really like bring home the emotion. But it's nice right. that it doesn't. It doesn't come across that way. Um, I think it's the context. If it was in any other, yeah. If you did like a drama that was not about right. all of this stuff, and and you know, but uh, yeah. But for some reason, it just works. And the way the yeah, we mentioned the orchestration. Talk about the orchestration because I just had a great conversation with uh, Bears orchestrators about doing the Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power. So right. I'm curious. From the composer side when you're orchestrating your score to get that magical feeling to get those you know you mentioned the choir you mentioned and there's always like big brass i think like yeah i feel that that brass there so what about the orchestration did you uh, want to have this uh, the score to have like i basically th threw the gauntlet down and challenged myself to be to show off as much as possible yeah you know, it like you you've <laughs> trained at the royal academy it wasn't for nothing show your orchestral chops show like push the envelope a little bit harmonically um and just kind of show off a little bit orchestrationally on on both movies um you know how floral could i make the woodwinds in this one section and get away yeah. with it 
<laughs> you know how <laughs> how crazy could I make the harmony in this and get away with it? Um, and you know, you always I'm always a, a, a servant to to the movie, and and the movie always wins. But um, you know, I was trying I was trying my luck a little bit, and sometimes Sean would be like, "No, that's too much. We've got to pull that back." Okay, or yeah. no, I want more of this, more like more scurrying woodwinds, more floral stuff. It needs to be more energetic. So it was working with Sean was really, really wonderful. Um, he's so trusting and just like it was it was easy. Um, yeah. And he must be I mean, it, it must be also awesome to be working with the director who's also the writer of the film. He co-wrote with his writing partner, right. John Morris. And that's right. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, he knows this. He was with this from the script all the way to production. So I'm sure uh, what kind of uh, feedback was he giving to you that you really kind of fed off of and really worked? It was like. Well, it was I say it was it was easy because right from the start once we well i say that the getting the tune was the hard bit and then once yeah. writing to picture started happening i think he just it's what the temp wasn't the temp was trying but obviously with christmas music it's it's really involved so to temp something you know even my score now is moving every what however many seconds yeah. so it's hard to to you know to pull to push your story forward um so I think once someone who vaguely knows what they're doing was actually writing to the picture, he was just like, oh, okay, this is great. And mm. it was like, there was never a point where it was wrong. It was always like, maybe try this slightly later or slightly before. But, you know, he said very early on, I never have to, you get what the scene's doing. I never yeah. have to say that, oh, we actually, you've, you've sort of missed the point here. We're actually coming from this point of view and blah, blah, blah. So we had an understanding very early on of what the story needed to say, what the emotions were, what the music was trying to do. So that's kind of why I was able to, you know, push it a little bit and see how far I could get with certain things that would never fly with certain people. Yeah. You know, it just like crazy, like even just like the basic principle of using mutes with woodwinds, right, would be like, oh, what's that noise to some people? Whereas in this scenario, it's like, well, oh, that's cool. That's quirky. That that works. That's great for this little arc. And obviously you've got the comedy factor. You've got big emotions. You've got some darkness with the ghosts. And it's just, you can go anywhere with the orchestra. So it sort of felt like a really nice, spe specifically spirited, felt like a really nice kind of student exercise in, you have these scenes that yeah. portray these emotions and these uh, narratives uh what is the orchestration that would fit best and that and i was i was kind of treating it like that um and really kind of harking back to my incredible orchestration teacher chris austin um at the academy all the little tricks he was teaching me over the four years and and just kind of i guess i'm sort of stealing his ideas but no he taught <laughs> me them for a reason um so it's just super fun it's because you never get to do it like you get to do it with yeah. animation and but yeah, it was it was a different thing to doing it to a one a musical and two a live action with actual people, um, and you know a little bit more adult themes here and there. So I'm going a mile a minute, but it, it yeah, I mean it was two very similar scores, but also very different when you kind of break it down. So yeah, absolutely. And for the as a musical, I'm where where this 
that were the songs already recorded in place when you came onto the project. So was navigating them and finding finding a flow to make everything because the songs are already in place and the everything is you know kind of locked there. As a composer, are you struggling to try to find to create a flow between the songs and the score, or was it kind of easy the way the songs kind of flowed? You would find a natural flow already within the story. It was it was easy in in one way, but in in another way because of that kind of con composer, additional composer, arranger brain mm -hmm. that I've had in the past, like taking some of the tunes and doing them in a way that are not recognizable to, to certain people, whether it's because I was being too obscure with it or it was in the wrong, it was over the wrong harmony or whatever. I was getting quite experimental with it mm. and working stuff in thinking, Oh, I've totally nailed that. I've got that theme in and that theme and mine's going over the top nailed. And then, yeah, you get the note um we really want to put some of the song melodies in this and i'm going no but they're, they're in there you just have to like get it's all intertwined and it's really <laughs> clever i promise you but so the difficult part was being overt with them and making them recognizable which was the mm. thing that sean really wanted so that took us a while to get to too um because i was constantly trying to be too clever and, and show yeah. off how i weave everything together but in actual fact he just wanted like no can you just state the melody of unredeemable please so everyone knows what it is and it connects to that storyline yeah um, so yeah unredeemable which is um kind of the big emotional number that will ferrell sings and then do a little good which is kind of the wrap-up song at the end sean wanted those two themes very much weaved through because they meant the most to the storyline and then you've got like in the moment songs that weren't as important to to weave in oh and there's another song that octavia sings um view from here which is a beautiful song and so that was that was kind of easy to weave in because it was very similar um actually i'm talking rubbish because I, I i pretty much i pretty much weaved in every song other than there's a song um i guess it's sort of like past the halfway point called good afternoon which i'm not going to spoil the whole premise behind it yes hilarious um which i didn't it was just it's just a one-off like thing it's hilarious and i didn't have to kind of use that in the score but i think pretty much everything else oh there's another song ripple that i didn't i didn't put in the score either um but it's fun you know at first it's daunting you know when justin rings you up and goes yeah so we've got these songs we've got these themes i really want to use them and you're like oh, god i hope i do them justice <laughs> um but yeah, I saw him at the dub stage and he was like, oh, you did a wonderful job. Thank you so much. So I was like, oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't piss him off. I didn't yeah. ruin his music. Um, but you did you did work with Justin and Paul, uh, uh, Justin and uh, Benj a little bit. Yeah, I mean, more of kind of a call at the beginning of it when yeah. I was signed on going, hey, this is the deal. Uh, we're excited. And then it was just like, I was just getting on with it. And you know, yeah. they were doing their thing. They were trying to, so all the songs were recorded, sort of recorded beforehand, and then they had to go re-record them. Um, and David Metzger um, did some incredible arrangements, orchestral arrangements. I mean, the guy yeah. is just David's. Oh, off, David's fantastic! Yeah, off the charts, amazing, um, and such a sweet guy. Um, so that, so yeah, the the bar was set really, and I had to kind of um, step up because the songs already sounded super awesome. So then when you're previewing that, you don't want it to be like 
you know the programming <laughs> the programming of your stuff in the preview like you've got these amazing songs and then suddenly the score's like oh this sounds a little shit um <laughs> so yeah i had to step up programming chops a little bit but um it was really fun it was fun like i said the pressure was off but not really yeah but yeah what was like talking about recording the choir because the choir sounded amazing the choir was yeah the choir was uh, a mixture of boys um and a full choir at, at lindhurst um yeah. now and again i'd sort of layer some of me in there from the demo if it needed that extra kind of melodrama and stupidity to it <laughs> um which is hugely different for violent night um, oh yeah because there wasn't enough money to do choir so i tracked every voice on that score is me oh wow I, tra I tracked up everything from basses to sopranos. All the Christmas carols, that's just like a wall of me. Um, yeah, the 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 Chris, like the jingle bells, the every, everything is me singing. So I had to kind of like, I was a bit worried. It's like, oh my God, this is like the Dom Lewis show. But um, I, I was very conscious of that. So I tried to kind of disguise my voice a little bit more yeah. than I normally would. Well, that's uh, a good segue to uh, Violent Night because... Yeah, uh, you're 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 continuing on with your your, your buddy David Leach, who's a producer on this film, who directed uh, Bullet Train. So, would you put yourself a lot into that score as well, your vo vocals? So, I think it's a good uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a, conti a continuation of that. So, for a Violent Night, I mean, you are really tapping into kind of those classic Christmas melodies that we all know, and you're kind of yeah. kind of breaking them down and just. I mean, really just having fun with them, it sounds like. I mean, the score sounded Destroying really them. Yeah, I mean, it's it was really <laughs> awesome. I loved it because the, your arrangements of those and and the way they fit into the actual body of the score and those and then of course that we can talk about the, the song at the end, which is <laughs> I think a new Christmas classic. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. <laughs> no, so it for, was really it was yeah. cool. As you say, it was um a total throwback. You know, the movie yeah. itself is Die Hard Meets Home Alone. So musically i was sort of trying to to get somewhere close to those incredible two people that wrote those scores um so you got the very kind of like almost sort of classical contemporary style of cayman mixed with you know the home alone uh um oh, my brain is gone <laughs> prokofiev um side of like home alone and then like me and then not being able to do any of that and getting anywhere near it so and then it i hope sounds like me um, it does sound like you i mean it's a very i think both i mean you said that you're kind of just chasing other sounds and stuff for both of these but like it, it you found a way to because i just knowing your music i can hear your melodies in there and i can hear your writing in there and you're still able to create crap those as you said the earworm that sean wanted is there and spirited and i think there is a dom uh personality in in a violent night very much so <laughs> yeah i mean you know john i think i've probably said this before but you know when i first worked, started working with john powell he was like i try and sound like my favorite composers you know stravinsky yeah. and i don't get anywhere near it and that's my sound so i sort of adopted that um and it was violent night was so much fun to do because you could be ridiculous yeah it's a operatic it's, score i mean it's big like you go it's, big it's big and you know what we had very limited time on the scoring stage we had a much smaller orchestra than we did on spirited but those guys played their socks off i mean we recorded 
we recorded all of that in i want to say three sessions everybody in the room um anthony partner um conducted who it was just amazing with everyone and just like kept it kept it going and it it was so much fun and it felt like the rawness of the way we recorded it really like really helped gel to the film because the demos were great and everything but you know when you've got when you've got very orchestral music as a demo you yeah. go like you go straight to hallmark straight away especially yeah. when it's christmas <laughs> Yeah. So I've I've fought very hard to be like, guys, we really have to record this. Even if it's not everything, we've got to record some stuff. And, you know, Universal were great and they agreed and, and we got to record it. But it is like, you know, it's balls to the wall. It's like everything was like one take, two takes. And like, okay, let's move on. We don't have time. Let's go. And I really feel that energy and everyone feeding off that energy just stepped it up a notch. Like when you listen to it, it's got that like, <laughs> let's go feel to it um which is exactly what the movie is i mean it's, it's also a testament to the director tommy Ricola. he's he's fantastic oh, and you know tommy. Uh, tommy is fantastic and people have seen you know and he's kind of it's very much his visual style too because if you look at hansel and gretel witch hunter which uh otley scored back you know a while ago and it, there's something about his style that really is awesome and then you i think you your sound was a perfect match for that it, it brought kind of this like traditional classic almost fairy tale-esque type thing and then just just but it was like the rock and roll version of just like or a rock and roll orchestra just like you know dial it up yeah it's funny it's funny because when i originally saw kelly called me and she said we've got i want you to meet tommy i think you'd be a really really good match for this movie and you know i love working with those guys so i was i was in already then i read the script and i was like oh my god this is so cool and then only really having experienced dave and kelly and from the script to a certain point, I was like, oh, I need to like figure out a new way of doing Christmas and make it cool and have it like synths and guitars and just like really mix it up and do the thing that I sort of did on Bullet Train. And then I and then David and Kelly were going, yeah, I really think, you know, I think a classical kind of thing, um, more kind of throwback things going to work. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, but I think maybe we should try, I try and push the boat a little bit and like, see what happens. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I'm so wrong. There's, and any, and I, I tried for about half an hour and went, this is not gelling at all. Yeah. Put the guitars away, put, turn the synths off. I was like, this is going to be a straight up throwback 90s orchestral score. And that's what it needs to be. And I'm going to use tons of Christmas carols for the, for the wink. And I'm going to write my main melody and then rely on Silent Night and a bunch of other public domain stuff and really kind of push those to a new like level of weirdness um and you, it, and you still also managed you, you managed to get the the warm fuzzy feeling too i mean there's still you still have the yeah. christmas warmth in there somehow <laughs> uh, yeah I d- yeah and, and actually Sorry, I without, cut you off <laughs> no 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 not at all no, no you're absolutely right and the majority can't talk the majority of the time without sleigh bells which I, yeah. I mean, there's sleigh bells kind of buried in there, but they're not so overt. Right. And obviously, you know, if Santa Claus is flying around or he's like, very, it's very Christmassy, then the bells come out. But the rest of the score does feel kind of Christmassy without that very overt, like, celeste bells thing going on. It's mainly, yeah. and I think it's because of the strength of those public domain Christmas carols. You know, everyone, everyone's grown up with them. So it's like, 
the familiarity, but yet they're like, sort of, what the hell? That sort of <laughs> sounded like, you know, whatever. We wish you Merry Christmas, but so weird. But it just goes by and you just kind of digest it. And by the end, yeah, you know, you get a big warm ending. And I don't know, it's just, it's super fun to be able to just play with the orchestra. Because, you know, I have, you know, you don't often get a chance to do it. I'm, it's, it was, and it was really nice for the cool hat to be put on the stand and the pressure to be i don't have to try and be cool anymore i can just write orchestral music with strong melodies that you know evoke the right emotions and the right story points and i can go back to why i started doing this in the first place the, yeah. the guys that i was listening to i was listening to the classical music i grew up with and it was just a really nice although being stuck in christmas for nine months was kind of hell writing the orchestral music was was fun but it must have been cathartic too, just to be writing an, an ultra-violent Christmas film, just to think, after going from spirited and then just letting it go unleashed to to finish off yeah. the year. For well, you. I, th I think I think that's what made it possible, um, because yeah, as we said earlier, they are both orchestral Christmas scores, but they're very yeah. different. Uh, very the different. Film, the films are very different. And honestly, Dave Harbour is. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put my flag in the whatever and say that he's the best Santa Claus to date yes yeah. so good as santa i guess it's because he's sort of a bitter like jaded santa that's yeah like drinking <laughs> and beating the crap out of people but he just he, he just seems so believable and that's another reason why i couldn't go with the synths and the guitars and like i think if it had been a guy that was dressing up as santa and beating the crap out of people yeah different story but because he is actually santa and there is that Christmas magic. To yeah, there's a, there's a, some honesty there that you have to tap into. Yeah, I had to acknowledge that, and I had to. We had to go with the traditional orchestral way because it it. As I said, I mean, the synths and the guitars and all the coolness was just. It was like you just sort of wince going, "That's not working." <laughs> and you know, so I went with it, and every, and everyone was everyone went with it too, which was which was awesome because it's it's quite a hard thing to kind of get by everybody. Yeah. I, mean, I remember absolutely. in some of the pre previews, it was like, oh, well, we maybe we need to try and be more like driving and this. And I was like, and, to and Tommy was awesome because he was like, just let Dom do his thing. It's not, he hasn't completely covered the movie yet. You're going to see once it's done from beginning to finish, there's a whole thought process behind this and just bear with us. And lo and behold, everyone was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was great. And working with Tommy is awesome. Again, kind of COVID and, they were working in Canada a lot of the time and right. you know, he, he lives in Norway. So it was a lot of sort of on zooms and things, but we did get to hang out and um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more movies where people are here and we can kind of get back to that again. Yeah. I think it's like, we still have the COVID like lag over. We're talking about stuff that was like done in the past, but now I think as things are normal again, I think you'll get to yeah, get back in the room with people and, you know, hopefully yeah, back to way it should be. These were the two where I did, I mean, I did have a couple of meetings with Sean. I did have a couple of meetings, in-person meetings with Tommy. And it makes a world of difference. It's oh, just yeah. So, it's so much more effective. You know, I can just open up something and just change it or, you know, quickly fix it and do whatever. And it's just better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's a collaborative form. I mean, it's a collaborative storytelling is getting in a room together and telling stories as a as a unit rather than 
looking at the you know this camera right here and just you know right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah or just sending stuff off into the ether and then getting a bunch of notes back it's like yeah it's just something not very creative about that yeah reading just text everyone's hands yeah. were tied obviously everyone oh yeah same boat but you know i think it caused it and being able to be in recording and, and just everyone in the room like both scores were an orchestra with some mics just playing no yeah. stems no stripping of anything down no you know no striping no it was like and each score both well london's very special because obviously my dad played in the orchestra and everyone was like so unbelievably grateful to have an orchestra just playing and fitting the brass were feeding off the strings which you never get and and the ensemble was just awesome and then exactly the same thing in in la it was like i was being thanked by people for putting an orchestra in a room which is <laughs> is bizarre for film music to for like it to be so rare that they get to be in a room together and play as an orchestra that to me is wrong yeah and it, it's like how can you get the best performance possible if you don't do that most of the time, obviously certain scores don't call for it. I get that. Right. But when you've got, you know, an orchestra playing orchestral like things, put them in a room. Let, let us, let us do it the way that all those, everyone like harks on about these amazing scores. Yes. Obviously the men behind them were incredible geniuses, genii, geniuses, geni whatever. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, the performance is everything too. You know, let's take John Williams, for example. You've got an incredible orchestra all feeding off each other with an yeah. incredible man at the helm of it. No click, streamers, just feeling the music. And I think it's, we've lost that. Film music's lost that. And it's, um, we've got to get it back, Kaya. We've got to get it back. Well, I mean, you're it's, doing it. What? <laughs> it's, it is so, like, forget the Christmas side of things. It's so oh, sure. magical. It's such a magical experience for people that haven't experienced it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. A few people involved in, in both movies. Were, I was like, you, you should go out into the room and listen to this. Yeah. You know, obviously wanted to show off a bit, like check out my music, but go, <laughs> go out and, and just experience this. And like the smile and the beam of, on people's faces when they come back into the control room. I guarantee you it's, it's so different than if they'd just gone out and heard the strings or they came in the evening yeah. and they went in and they heard the brass. It's no, it, like, I mean, yeah, it's amazing when it all comes together. Yeah. And that's trust, you know, it's really, it's kudos to Sean and Tommy for, for letting me do it that way. Um, it's ultimate trust to, to not, it's basically not to not have control over every little thing. And you're yeah. trusting your composers to be like, this is what I think is best. There's, and you know, you've always got a fallback. If something's not quite right, you can kind of manipulate mics first of all. And if that's not right, then you can layer in some samples, don't tell anyone, you know, and you can get by. It's just such, it's so much more magical when everyone's in the room. Yeah. I mean, I remember not going passionate about this at all, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Clearly not. Clearly you just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but we, you know, you've, we've talked about this in the past about how you, I think one of our first interviews, you always remember, you said, I just wish directors would trust their composers more. And it seems like you've, and I think we probably talked about this on Bullet Train, you, you found directors that trust you and, and yeah. allow you to to be creative and go shoot big and then pull you back, reel back if it's too big and just, just, and just experiment and discover what works because you're never going to hit it on the first try. You're always trying to figure out what's right. And then 
And then if you're going to do it right with an orchestra, I mean, being in the room and getting those goosebumps, I mean, that just tells you what it is. I mean, I remember yeah. being at your recording session, you know, for goosebumps back in the day and just hearing that Another orchestra yeah. come together like that. And just, I, I, I mean, I would just sit there and just, I would just stay in the room and just sit there with it, you know, and yeah. not we didn't, we skip a take and not film or anything, just, just absorb it all in. So, yeah. And I think, I mean, to go back on my previous points from previous years, I think it's not so much about not trusting who you've hired to be a composer. It's more about not trusting the, the process of the like, process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's more like, Oh, but I'm going to need control over that. I know I will. Yeah. If you, if, if you just let go of that and just be like, and just, I, I've got you. If it's not right, we'll fix it. But trust me, the other way is going to be way better for your film. Yeah. Every, I'm telling you, man, every time I can't tell you the amount of players that come up to me and go, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Now, they may be kissing my ass, which is fine, too. But I don't on the on the more kind of modern things. You don't get I don't get that, you know. No, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, great score. And then they're off to the, the, the pub or whatever. But this one, like people made a point to, to seek me out and be like, thank you so much. We haven't played in an orchestra for months altogether. Yeah. Yeah, I'm laboring the point, but I do feel very strongly about it. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a point that needs to be made because I think we're in this I think the industry is just getting pushed more and more into commercialization, into creating products and just almost like a factory and it just doesn't feel organic sometimes. It doesn't right. feel real and and uh, there's still I mean there's still magic being made. There's still storytellers that are getting yeah. real stuff done and and that's kind of outside of the big studio, you know, bubble and all that stuff. Uh, and even within the studio bubble, you can still work within the system and get something really special done. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's something that needs to be fought for and harder these days. And I and, think so. I mean, you know, the yeah. players, they play better. <laughs> More importantly, you get a better product to the end of it. Yeah. Because they're all in it and they want to do it. Um, that and, you know, letting them go. 10 minutes early every session and you know giving them alcohol afterwards it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, i'm being serious though it's a huge part yeah like if, any, if any composer is watching this and thinking oh how do i get the orchestra on my side it, i'm telling you from the inside because my dad was in it for years if you let them go harry grayson williams was the king of this and they and everyone loves him in the orchestra you let them go five to ten minutes early every session and then just once, just buy them all a drink. They're yours. They'll do whatever you want. I promise you. And that's from the horse's mouth. That's my, <laughs> my dad's told me that on many occasions. I've got a recording from Spirited where I let the orchestra go. I think it was like seven or 10 minutes. That's like seven or 10 minutes. Yeah. If you're down to the wire and you need those minutes, fine. But I got, a, a, there's a little layover of a recording where Caroline Dale, the, the principal cellist, I let them go. It might have even been 10 minutes. And they were all so shocked. And you can just hear Caroline going, oh, his dad would be proud. <laughs> it does mean that much to them, though, because they, they give their all. They really do. And if they yeah. have a little window where they're expected to play and then they don't have to, it's like, oh, great. So there's <laughs> my love, advice. I just love there's how you, you're recording out there. Your secret, every time we talk about a score, you always have a secret uh a secret thing to like a, a secret method to do it, it always involves alcohol because <laughs> with bullet train you're talking about chugging tequila to get your, vo your voice oh, that's right true. no that's very true 
No, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It could no, be, kidding, it, it yeah, could yeah, be yeah, a no. sandwich or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. A, or a ginger ale. <laughs> just like it's more about showing that you that you care about them and you value what they're bringing yeah but they're, they're not just there as a uh, you know pieces of of your and your tool chest they're you know they're part of the experience right. they're part they are the artists i mean then no one can play like them i mean that's why no, you one. Have them. no one they're unbelievable musicians and i think when you when you know when you tell them that and they feel appreciated and not just like another little bit in your process yeah it makes such a difference. Oh, sorry, I just hit the harpsichord there <laughs> by accident. Um, yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's a harpsichord. <laughs> um, <laughs> it make yeah, it does. It does. It makes the world of difference, and that would be. They yeah, they spend their entire lives to their craft, and you know, all these musicians are you know since childhood playing and practicing, and and it's uh to see their talent come to life like that, especially when they're all together and, and working off each other and playing off each other and they're all in the room together it's that's why you love going that's why i love i love going to live music concerts and you know right getting, yeah so you're absolutely right so think about this right you're doing a film score it doesn't need a lot but it needs strings or it needs whatever and you put these people have practiced for eight hours every day for most of their life they've been in the biggest symphonies in the world they've played the hardest music on the planet yeah. And then you, you put a piece of music down in front of them that's literally just footballs. It's long notes for hours and hours and hours because the score needs it, and that's yeah. fine. But then if you're then just like slaving away and not appreciating what yeah. they're putting into that, can you imagine their brains going, oh, my God, get me the fuck out of here. I didn't, yeah. I didn't train to do this. So the least you can do is respect their brilliance and, you know, just try and make it easier on them absolutely anyway there we go there's my tip of the day <laughs> dom's tidbit i'm gonna put just a graphic on the screen but <laughs> I'm, you know i'm lucky because I've, I've grown up around it and obviously dad yeah. was in it and he like the feedback from dad was just priceless um you know so there's so many little things you can do when recording that just makes everything just go quicker yeah no, absolutely. And don't I labor mean, a cue over and over again. And if you do, tell them why they're doing it again. Not just like, oh yeah, let's just get another one. Because you've got yeah. them sitting there, you've got them sitting there going, Why are we doing another one? Yeah. <laughs> if you I mean, can, if you can like, you know, tell them exactly why it is and they go, Oh, okay, no, I get that. But if they just feel that they're just, you know recessed monkeys just you know just going through the motions it's well i mean like, it's, it's similar as an act, actor yeah like an actor on set if you're doing another take you got to tell your actors why we're doing another take you know you have to communicate it's they're, they're part of the process too you know they're giving you a performance they're giving yeah. you know yeah absolutely you have to, they're part of that whole process yeah totally and you know if it's not working take a break or tune or do something to mix it up you know, yeah. just the constant battering of the same thing. You you just you just got to call it and be like, all right, we'll come back to this. Let's do something right. else. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about Santa Claus has had enough of Christmas because I think oh, Dom, okay. because Dom Lewis has had enough of Christmas, it seems like. So <laughs> I love this song. It's I think it's, it has like this kind of Beach Boys vibe, but still like, uh, it was, I don't know, it was awesome. It was a w great way to finish All over the place. I don't even know what was in my brain when that happened. <laughs> So you wrote this song? Like I wrote I wrote the song, I performed the song. Originally it was supposed to be over an action sequence um towards the beginning of the film, but 
as much as people loved it, they felt it was a little on the nose. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Tommy loved it, but he was just like, I, don't, I, th- I think this other song works better. And that's fine. And so we put it in the end credits. And that's, you'll that's be... That's a perfect yeah, way to end it. <laughs> everyone will be walking out to the annoying sounds of my voice <laughs> as you walk out the cinema. But it was really fun. And obviously doing those kind of lyrics and trying to be funny with lyrics as well as like being funny with Christmas carols and stuff was, you know, I love all that shit. Yeah. I mean, but I just, I love hearing you in that element because you're a, song, you know, you're a songwriter and a singer as well. And to hear you kind of flex those muscles a bit is, it's so much fun. And I love, I love the, your, your performance in it. I love the the song itself. And uh, it, it, it's a perfect, uh, because yeah, you said you layered your voice throughout the entire score as well for the choir. So it, it was, yeah. I think it just fits perfectly within the fabric of the whole, of the whole experience. So. Yeah. So. I mean, it was just another, another hat that I put on, you know, I, I was doing a buble impression in, in one of them. And then like a more sort of, as you say, like beach boysy thing, and then more classical stuff. And then, yeah, I was just trying to morph my voice into lots of different places because <laughs> I didn't have the money to record people. <laughs> uh, was recording the choir tricky to do that? Like to layer your voice for everything and get those highs and lows and everything? Was that a, a stressful thing for you? Um, it's more kind of just laborious. It's like going Yeah, because you're literally you... piece by piece putting it together, right? You know, and it's the same thing. Like, yeah. you've got to, okay, I do the sopranos now. I've got to do at least six to eight of those. And like try and be a different person yeah for each for each same the same part so like you know okay who am i now i'm sort of you know i'm a very tall lady whose voice is not quite strong and then i'm someone with a more nasal voice and then i like stand at the back of the room with the person who's shy doesn't want to sing and so i'd like give everyone a character and yeah. try and like because you know what i'm like i just like doing silly voices and and, and you know playing the fool so that part was really fun but then after a while when you've got long passages of choir or you've got these like long carols you get to the well i i tended to start with the basses and work my way up just for tuning purposes you get to the sopranos and you're like oh jesus i've already been like 30 people (laughs) i've got to think of another 10 people now um but i think it works obviously you can hear me in there but it gives the impression of a of a large choir and then there's the you know the kind of norwegian stuff the sort of uh pagan element of santa claus so i had i was doing all that stuff with the drones and the kind of like chanting men and all that stuff so i love it you know it's fun man it was a really fun score (laughs) (laughs) it's wacky it's crazy it's silly it's funny it's emotional it's got heart um just like the film yeah, I'm not and... going to say anything about it because whenever I say my opinions on a movie, I, it just gets fucking panned by everyone. <laughs> so I'm going to keep stum. Screw, uh, yeah, screw Rotten Tomatoes, screw critics. I mean, honestly, it, it... <laughs> fuck them because it's like, <laughs> and they get it wrong every time. It's like, oh, dude, critics, it's it's and my then the audience score is off. It's so frustrating because there are still people that still look at it going, oh, I'm not going to watch that then. I know they they say uh, I mean for me it's just that's why I stopped writing reviews you know remember me uh, I used to write Dude. reviews and I yeah. quit because I was like I don't want to be part of this culture because uh, not just in the film music community but just in in film and in art in general and anything that's entertainment it's all subjective and yeah it's yeah. fun to discuss things I love discussing and having opinions and be like what why didn't it work for you 
oh, it didn't work for me because I didn't really connect to that. But uh, sometimes when certain critics get on that pedestal and they feel like they are oh. the expert and they just yeah. lash out on a movie, you know, and it's just like, you know, that could be somebody's favorite movie. You don't know that. Like, it's right. like, but to me, it's like, it's, it's more about having a conversation rather than here's, I'm on, you know, my podium speaking yeah. my opinion and everyone I'm must take the truth it. Yeah. about film and you must listen yeah i wrote the book on how to make movies and this is yeah. you know this is it so right. oh really why aren't you making them then like <laughs> exactly come on. Like, seriously and some of the greatest movies of all time you look at their critic score it's like really oh yeah yeah home and alone's he... in like the 60s or whatever it is or like but it also happens in the past like i i, I was just you know every halloween i go on a big john carpenter binge because i love john carpenter and yeah and then, you yeah, watch yeah. those you watch those interviews and he was like oh yeah the thing bombed it was it was critically panned it's my favorite horror film and it's like at, at the time and when it came out i had to follow et and everyone was you know it was like a completely different alien than the spielberg alien but everyone hated the thing but now it's right. one of the best you know horror films i've ever made it's just, it's just weird how people consume and and discuss and put certain things up and then how time changes things it's it's, it's fascinating too but it's also frustrating when you have it is fascinating the business is yeah. fascinating because obviously we're doing art as a business right so you do have to take these things into account but it's so funny to like when you go through a whole process on a film and you when you're on early enough you go through the whole preview process yeah, you're basically showing a movie to a bunch of people you don't know, and then taking their opinions and putting it into your film, which is like so baffling to me. But oh yeah, the focus group it. stuff. Yeah, I get no, I get, I get why, I get it, but at the same time, I mean, take ET for example. I think the preview was like this crazy low score, and then it's it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I it, I'm const I'm confused by this whole thing. No, let me rephrase that. I'm learning every single day about this industry. And this we're all business. learning. Yeah, it's changing. And and it it's, changes it's, all the time. It's changing all the time. And it's fascinating. It's changing right now. I don't I mean, always agree with it. And sometimes I agree with it. But ro I'm, rolling, I'm rolling with it. <laughs> yeah, we have to. That's the only thing we could do. I mean, but for both of us, we're both working in this field. And the ground is just shifting constantly underneath our feet. And you just have to yeah. adapt or get left behind you yeah. know i mean at the yeah. end of the day all you can really do is just put out your best shit yeah you yeah. know and even if it's not your best you if it's the best shit you can do that day that's all you can do yeah you can't ask yourself for anything else that's just like you put your best foot forward and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and then on to the next one <laughs> well before we, we wrap it up i would do want to yeah. just uh just talk some fun stuff i'm curious as you you know you're a dad now and uh mm -hmm. Kids are growing up. Uh, what kind of holiday traditions has your family uh, have, have built so far? Do you guys have any traditions that you do? You hang out with, uh, visit family during the holidays? Well, Thanksgiving um, is normally Aaron's family. It's normally quite small. Um, well, I say that before COVID, it was big. It was like all of Erin's family at her mom's house. And now we just sort of do it at my house um, with her mom and dad and brother and the kids obviously yeah. um, in terms of tradition i mean we do the around the table what are we thankful for yeah um which when i first moved here i was like oh for god's sake you're american <laughs> but now i'm like i'm really into it and i always get very emotional and i'm always the one crying at the dinner table um and then christmas yeah christmas is uh, changes depends it depends what we're doing yeah. um we tried everyone going over to England 
um, a few years ago before the pandemic. That didn't work. It was one of those. It was one of those trips that was just like every fucking thing went wrong. Uh, you know, people, shit was nicked in the airport. Greg was coming from my brother-in-law was coming from Europe. His bag got stolen on the train with all the presents in it. He was going to give to people. Uh, oh my mum got my mum got ill, so I couldn't see her. Uh, my grandpa, who's now 103, nearly fell and died. Like it was just one of those trips that was just like, get me the fuck home now. <laughs> I just want to click my fingers. But we're trying it again this <laughs> Christmas. Uh, no, it's just it's just uh, Aaron and the boys and myself going over, and I've. Yeah, we've got a house near my mum and my sister. My dad's going to come and stay. So we're going to try a Lewis Christmas, which is very much um, just eating, drinking, taking the piss out of each other. Um, you know, I'm really going to hone in. I have to be careful with my sarcasm when I'm at home because, you know, I get accused of being mean. Yeah, you got to go check that, that, Eng that English humor. You got to reel it back. <laughs> yeah. So, but having said that, if Aaron's not involved, then we go, uh, we go, uh, we go back to England, and then it's my sister and me just like, bah, 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 bah. and then my dad chimes in, my mom chimes in. She loves watching it. She just doesn't want to be a part of it because yeah. she doesn't want to get dragged in to the to the sort of slightly mean sarcasm of the English. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that because just yeah, just seeing, I haven't seen my sister in such a long time, and just the banter. That's that's normally the Christmas tradition for the Lewis. Yeah. It's like taking a piss all the time, <laughs> which I miss. Yeah, because I, I just get accused of being horrible and mean. Not necessarily by <laughs> just by any you know native any native of California. I'm just like, yeah. Why are you being so mean? No, no, it's a joke. It's not funny. <laughs> all right, I'll rein it in then. <laughs> Well, that's perfect. Uh, sorry, I asked about the holidays. Seems like I uncovered some wounds, but <laughs> little bit. Well, yeah, the Christmas has always been till I till I married Aaron, till I met Aaron and married Aaron. Christmas has always been a little bit dark for me. You know, coming from a broken home or whatever. My parents went together, so it was always a bit of yeah. like a who's having the kids this year when we were younger, and it was always like a bit just like, ah. Um, but then I got with Aaron, and that's such a like a different vibe like magical yeah. christmas of family and i i fell in love with it again um absolutely now i've done two movies on the trot and i'm out of love with it at the moment <laughs> don't worry it's coming yeah it's coming again next year <laughs> it's coming you're you're you gotta get your so uh, you gotta get because christmas shopping done you, you got a few weeks left and then you have to restart all again next year you know <laughs> aaron's aaron's been amazing though because normally day after halloween in the car, in the house, the carols are going, the, the songs are going. Yeah. She's been very, I've, I'm very proud of her. She's been very restrained and she hasn't put any on yet. Well, when she does, you just- It's been me, actually. It's been yeah. me, like, check, checking mixes and doing, like, Christmas stuff. She's like, I thought you I thought you were done with Christmas. I'm like, well, this, I'm going to do this for work. Well, December 26th, you just put on Santa Claus has had enough for Christmas. And then, you know, yeah. it's over. You can, you... And then we wait, and we wait another 11 months. Well, <laughs> really, isn't it? Well, Dom, thank you so much for your insight again, as always, for taking oh, us and bringing us, uh, pushing the holiday spirit into us, bringing us up and then pulling it back down at the end. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, yeah, I apologize to all your um, to all your viewers and subscribers for having to look at my stupid face and listen to me <laughs> walk on about stuff again. But 
Not you at know, all. Just, basically just an excuse for two mates to have a chat. Exactly. So, there we go. And, and we just record it and just and throw it up we on this website. And make people watch it. <laughs> <laughs>